You know, I'm not really sure if I'm allowed to say this in church and especially being a pastor, but there are some times I know when I've read the Bible and I'm supposed to be like fully engaged with the word, totally transformed by everything that I'm reading. And when I'm going through that Old Testament, absolutely absorbing everything that it says. Now, there are times where I read the Old Testament And I think to myself, seriously, people, what are they going to talk about? Brick after brick that they're building the temple with. They're going to go on about the 613 laws that were given to the Israelites. I mean, seriously, what does that actually have to do with me here and now, right today? You know, it can be, it can be feeling like it's a bit boring at times reading the Old Testament. Is that just me? Anybody else? Anybody else game enough to admit that in church? But recently I was reading out of uh, Leviticus 18 and, you know, this is when there's about 2 million Israelites and they've just been rescued from Egypt. They're wandering around in the desert and God is bringing them on their way to this amazing place that's the promised land that's called Canaan for them. And here in Leviticus 18, God, what he's doing is he's giving to them a list of who not to have sex and sexual relations with. Now, that got your attention, didn't it, out of the Old Testament? 21 different things, he says, in that one chapter. It's like, wow, when you read that chapter, let me tell you, you're awake and alive, right? (laughs) But in verse 3, it says this, You shall not do as was done in the land of Egypt in which you dwelt. Nor shall you do as is done in the land of Canaan to which I am bringing you, neither shall you walk in their statutes. So here God's saying to them, they're in the desert, they're wandering around, they're supposed to be on their way to this promised land, they've just been rescued out of slavery, And God's saying to them, I don't want you to live like where you came from. I don't want you to live like you're in your past. I don't want you to live like what things were like in Egypt. And I love it in the um, NLT version, it says, do not act like the people in Egypt where you used to live. See, Egypt for the Israelites, they were oppressed by taskmasters, they were brutally beating and they were living in and under the slavery of the enemy. The Egyptian culture for them and what God is referring to here is about their past, where they came from, what they used to be like, how they used to live. And God's saying to them, I don't want you to live like the past anymore. I don't want you to live like where you came from. I don't want you to live like the culture of your past. Now, even after just a small amount of time, When they were rescued from slavery, they start going on, don't they? Out of Exodus chapter 16, verse 3, we see them saying to God, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. 
you know, things weren't actually going quite how they thought that they should have. Their memories of the past and being in slavery had suddenly faded in their mind. And how often for us can we, oh, ever so quickly forget about where God actually took us from? How often and how quickly do we forget about the fact that God rescued us from slavery? They wanted to continue in their past, in what was done in Egypt. Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. This is Paul who's writing this. This is Paul, where it says about him, before he had had an encounter with Jesus, it says in Acts chapter 9, and here we see that he's referred to as Saul, it says, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priests. So what we see here, is Paul writing about forgetting what was behind, forgetting the past. And the Bible shows us there what Paul was like. So before he encountered Christ, he was called Saul. And what we see is that he was somebody who was uttering threats against everyone who was a Christian. And then we also go on to see in Acts chapter 2, and this is where Paul now is actually talking about himself. So he's had an encounter with Jesus. His life has been totally changed. And then he goes on to say this. But I replied, Lord, they themselves know that from synagogue to synagogue, I used to imprison and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of your witness, Stephen, was being shed, I myself stood by giving approval and keeping guard over the cloaks of the murderers. So here's Paul with a terrible past. He persecuted the church. We hear that said so easy. But he was standing around in full approval when a disciple named Stephen was being martyred right in front of him. Saul at that point was in full approval of that happening. But Paul Saul, then Paul, he could have lived in the culture of his past he could have lived in what he had done and lived under total guilt, total shame, total condemnation. He could have lived in slavery to those things, but he says, this is the one thing that I do. I forget what is behind and I look forward to what lays ahead. Are you living in a culture of your past? of the pathetic things that you did before you knew Jesus? Are you living in that place, and maybe even while you've known Jesus, 
that you go, I'm just living under total condemnation, total shame and guilt because of those things. And God's saying to the Israelites, don't, don't live in that. Don't live in the past. And then God also says to the Israelites there, in Leviticus 18.3, he says, nor shall you do as is done in the land of Canaan to which I'm bringing you. So Egypt was about the culture of the past. Canaan was about the culture of where they were going to live there every day. So this, for us, is where we live our every day. In the NLT version, it says, do not act like the people in Egypt where you used to live or like the people in Canaan where I am taking you. Egypt was about the past. Canaan was about the present. A culture in Canaan that was made up of this huge variety of people with a long list of idols and gods to follow that were there in their culture. And God's saying to them, when you get there, I don't want you living like them. Canaan's culture was where God was actually sending them to and he's saying, I don't want you to live like the culture of where you are. I don't want you to live like the culture of your present. You know, I love that in 1 Peter 2.11, it tells us and it says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. We're temporary residents here, people. We're foreigners. We're strangers. You know, actually another version is we're aliens here in this place. And you go, we're not supposed to be comfortable. We're not supposed to be okay with everything that's happening. We're just staying here. It's not our forever home. We stay here in this culture because in our culture here, in the present, what we see is that physical pleasure is an absolute priority. We see that the natural man does whatever it wants, whenever it wants, however it wants, that everything is right in our own culture's eyes. A culture that lives based on what they want and how they feel. I mean, autonomy is king and authority is an enemy. I can do my own thing in this culture, live my own way and rule my own world. But God still was sending the Israelites to live in that culture every day. Just like we live in a culture every day here. God has sent you into the culture of your school, into the culture of your workplace, into the culture of your uni, of your friends, of your family, of all of these things, we live in the culture of a media that becomes overwhelming to us. And God's saying, don't do what the culture does here in this present place. It's our temporary home. Don't get too comfortable living here in submerged in a culture because we're supposed to stand out. 
We are supposed to look different. We're supposed to sound different. We are supposed to act differently. We're not supposed to be comfortable in it, not of it. In it, not of it. I think that was summer camp, was it? Yeah, that's right. Summer fest. You know, there's so many things in our life I think that we just accept as culturally, you know, I just do that. And there's lots of things. We've all got lots of things. I remember a few years ago, a fair few years ago now, um, I used to love watching like CSI and then I started watching Criminal Minds, right? And I loved watching it all the time. And I remember one day I felt God giving me a bit of a nudge. Sonia, I don't want you watching Criminal Minds anymore. Well, that's a bit sucky, isn't it, really? And, you know, I realised that I went through three stages of cultural acceptance that I learnt about myself when I was being disobedient to something that God was asking me to stop doing. Now, the first stage that I found myself in was the denial stage, right? Just like Eve What did she do? It says that in Genesis, one day he, referring to the serpent, asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Now, I'm not totally sure that was God speaking to me about not watching Criminal Minds. And, you know, I'll just ignore that for a little while because I'm pretty sure that he wasn't saying, Sonia, you can't watch Criminal Minds. So I was denying the fact that God was speaking to me. No, pretty sure it wasn't him. Just put that in the back of my mind. That was the first stage I realised I found myself in. The second one was, actually, well, that's seriously not fair stage. Right? And I thought along with the psalmist out of Psalm 73, look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. And how come they can do whatever they want, right? In Psalm 73, it goes on to say, I've been stupid to play by the rules. What has it gotten me? Others watch far worse. So it's, the, it's not fair. Others watch worse. And how come it's okay for them to do that? Now, we use other individuals who treat their own disobedience lightly as an excuse to excuse our own disobedience, right? The third third, um, stage that I found myself in was the loophole stage. Because the Bible does say in 1 Corinthians 10.23, all things are legitimate. They're permissible and we're free to do anything we please. But not all things are helpful. I mean, we know that, don't we? Expedient and profitable and wholesome. All things are legitimate, but not all things are constructive to character and edifying to spiritual life. The Bible doesn't actually specifically say that I can't watch Criminal Minds. So it could be permissible that I watch it. There are plenty of things in the Bible that are far worse than criminal minds itself, right? It's not really that bad as well compared to everything else that's out there. Ah, man, I was searching for a loophole somewhere 
I can make this permissible. But really, it was about the fact that God was saying to me for that, Sonia, I don't want you living in the culture of the present. For you, I'm telling you, I don't want you watching that. You know, is God asking you to give up something that you've maybe just accepted and just thought, now I'm denying it. It's not fair, how come they get to do it? Or then it might be because there's a loophole, right? One of those stages. I read a quote in a book and it said, it's much easier to discuss and debate the Bible than it is to demonstrate its truths in our everyday lives. And don't we know that? By the way, I did stop watching Criminal Minds, okay? Took a little while, but I did. Now, what use for Christ are we to the world when we're acting just like them? And I tell you, it totally smashed me in the heart when I read a quote from Charles Spurgeon of words that he spoke back in 1861, referring to Christians acting like the world's culture, and he said, it is hell's laughter. Not living like the culture of the past, not living like the culture of the present, but actually this is the great thing, is that God does not expect us to live in his kingdom culture without any help. Romans 8.11 says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Through the cross of Jesus, with the same resurrection power that lives in each and every one of us, and we are freed from the power of past culture in our life, and we are free from the conformity of present culture because we have the spirit of a living God living within us, the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. There's one message that each of us and every one of us should never forget in our life and that is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, for I passed on to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Paul says that the message that is most important, that is first important, is actually the message of the gospel. It's the good news. It's the fact that Jesus died on that cross for each and every one of us and for our sins, that he was buried and that he rose again. This is a message that we cannot forget. As we gaze and as we think, as we meditate daily on the work of Jesus and the blood that was shed for each and every one of us, as we think about the sacrifice, we discover that our disobedience, where I was trying to find a loophole, that it cost more than I could ever understand. That the disobedience that I was underestimating in my life can be hazardous unless it's brought to the cross of Jesus to be washed and to be cleansed by him because otherwise it's guaranteed to fester and to grow in our life. 
We discover that it's not by any form of my own personal efforts that I am able to leave my past culture behind. I discover that it's not by any personal efforts that I'm able to live in this current present culture, but it is because I am empowered. It is because you are empowered with the resurrection power of Jesus living in you. He lives in you and you are empowered to live in this culture. Jesus Christ dying on the cross, being buried and raising from the dead is not just about our salvation. It's about our transformation. It's not just about Jesus coming to my life so that I can one day go into heaven. It's about being empowered for my every single day. Don't limit the gospel, people. Don't limit the gospel just to someone accepting Jesus as their Lord in their life, as their saviour. Don't limit the gospel to that because it gives us the power to live the fearless life that God has called us to courageously live in this culture that we are in, to live in Christ's culture right here on earth. Let me tell you, it takes a whole lot of boldness to do that. It takes a whole lot of courage for us to live in this present culture the way that God has called us to live it. We're to wash in that gospel message every single day. We're to saturate our mind with that message over and over and over again that Jesus, you died on the cross for me, that you took all of my sin and that you paid the price, that your blood was shed so that I can be in a restored relationship, forgiven and standing before the throne room of God one day, but also transformed for my every day. Think about that old song, oh, the blood of Jesus that gives me strength from day to day. It never loses its power. It never loses its power. Jesus didn't come to rub in my disobedience. He came to rub it out. He didn't come to condemn each and every one of us. He came to change us. Ephesians 1, 19 to 20 says, And so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe, as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Your past is renewed. It's transformed through the cross. And your present is empowered through the resurrection of the cross. And again out of Romans 8, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. I'm just going to ask the team to come up now. Continue to fix your eyes. I'm just going to ask everybody to stand. Continue to fix your eyes on what is most important. The death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. You are called to be fearless in our culture. 
You are called to live a a, a, um, courageous life here, right now, in the present. We're called for that. And we're empowered for that. Because Jesus lives within us. He did the work. I'm not here to condemn anybody. Because you know what? We all stand before God. (laughs) Man, I've got issues, let me tell you that. Anybody who knows me knows I've got issues. I'm happy to give you a list as, you know, if you want to meet me in the foyer. We've got issues, people. We all need Jesus. Every day we need Jesus because we live in a culture that bombards us, that overwhelms us. We have had seasons and times of storms and chaos and trouble that has been so highly intense and emotional, stressful, dramatic, and actually has not happened like that before. And you go, but God, we're living in the present now. And he chose you to live in this time. And he has empowered you to live a life in this culture that is fearless and that is courageous because Christ Jesus lives in you. And he already did the work. He already did the work. But our challenge for all of us tonight, is there something that God's asking you to give up, to change, maybe to start? Is there something, man, that you've just settled with in your heart and sort of gone, really? I'm just denying that God really sort of was nudging me about that or I'm try- I've been trying to find a loophole and justify myself. think that all of us have different things. We all have things in our life. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to each of us tonight. Because you know what the world needs? People of integrity. And we think about what we see, what God needs, are people who reflect Him and who He is. He wants us not to live in the culture of our past, And not to live in the current culture and what they look like, but to live in the culture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he's empowered us to do that. So I'm just going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to each of us. And then I'll ask Rosie and the team to come and lead us in that song, You're Moving. Just ask you to lift your hands. Maybe you've never done it before. I'm asking you to be bold. I'm not asking you to be comfortable. Lift your hands before the Lord. And Holy Spirit, you are here in this place right now. I know, Holy Spirit, your people's hearts are open to you. We hear your voice. We know your touch. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, right now for each of us. I'm asking you to speak to our hearts in areas where we have just submerged ourselves in the present culture or in our past. 
And you're asking us to leave those things behind. And I pray, Holy Spirit, even right now, that you would just drop that into everyone's hearts. What is it that you're asking us to change? Because we know that what you ask of us is for our own benefit. And it reflects you to those people around us. It might be that you're asking some people to give up things that they're watching. Maybe it might be music that they're listening to. It might be the way that you speak and different type of language that you use. It might be drinking, drugs, pornography, any type of addiction. It might be asking you to humble yourself and lay down your pride. What is it, Holy Spirit? Thank you.